Joshua chapter 1, if you have your Bibles with you. Joshua chapter 1. I am stepping out in faith tonight. I took my iPad out of its protective case. And uh, how many of y'all, that is not acceptable to do at any point? Anybody in here like that? Like, you get a device, you have to buy it with the case. I... Um, Remember my, my first iPad I, I ever had, it was through, through work. And we, after church one night, several years ago, I think Seth was about four or so, we went out to a restaurant with some, a young couple in our, uh, our, our ministry there and we were enjoying some good fellowship. <clears throat> and the fellowship was going on so long, it was great, it was sweet, they were buying our food. <laughs> and uh, after a while being there, our, our four-year-old was getting restless, and so as any good parent, um, we found the closest device to give him. Um, we're not the best parents with that stuff, but it helped us continue our fellowship that evening. So we gave Seth the iPad, and it had a case on it, and so he's, he's watching whatever cartoons he's watching for that, uh, that time we're together. And we, we got up to leave, and the bill was paid and everything, and I remember as in the past, anytime I gave him a device, anytime we were anywhere, I would say, okay, Seth, give me the device. And this particular night, he said, we were getting out of the, the, the bench. He goes, dad, I got it. And he's four and I'm, I'm the one that trusted him. And uh, I said, okay, bud, we'll see how it goes. It's in a protective case. He's watching the screen, no problem. So we, we make our way out the restaurant. We're heading towards our respective vehicles. And the gentleman we were with uh, of the couple, he's very much into uh, devices and, and all those things. And sure enough, for, for some reason, this is our family. I don't know about you, but our family, if it can happen, it will happen. And so uh, Seth, I say Seth, it could have been any of our children, but he was the only one we had at the time. And uh, I'm not trying to discourage him, but, but all of a sudden he just took a step and it's as if the iPad just jumped out of his, I, I turned and I'm watching him, he's walking and it just, like he threw it. And it, and it just it flew through the air, and it, and it flipped, and it landed perfectly on the screen, not the case that it was in. And how many of y'all have had that happen? You, you, that, that, that moment, nobody does it intentionally, but you, that agony that you feel, because you, you know. And so uh, the, the guy, the friend we were with, he was very quick to grab the device, and it was dark outside. He picked it up, he goes, it looks like no scratches, no, no cracks at all. And then we, we turned it on, and it, it was just shattered. Uh, kind of like my heart in, in that moment. And, <laughs> and I, I just, of course, I'm mad at myself because I, I let my son carry it out. And I, I remember thinking, oh, so obviously I took it out on him. And uh, <laughs> again, the bad parent thing. Um, I, I remember thinking, no, this is so bad. And so we got in the car and, and I'm kind of quiet. I'm just thinking, you know, do we sell Seth on eBay? Do we, you know, see if somebody wants to take them or something like that? No, I'm kidding. I, we, that was our first device. We still actually have that device. It's several generations old. And uh, I open that case up sometimes as a reminder that if I took the case off, everything would just fall apart. I should bring it in for, for Pastor Burdick some time to look at and enjoy. I know that would drive him up the wall. But um, uh, I, 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 by faith tonight, took this out because the case I have, I don't want it to, to mess up the device or type something on the keyboard and, you know, I'm, I lose everything. But that had nothing to do with the message tonight, but thank you for listening. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, I, I want to talk tonight about this idea of, of change, how to deal with change. Life is full of changes, isn't it? We just came through a season of, of change with graduations 
several people in their families are dealing with different types of change. School is over for the year for, for my kids and uh, for my two oldest anyway. Caleb is, is in an extended school year here in town. Uh, Seth said the other day when I picked him up, he goes, whoa, dad, school is over for two months. That is different. And uh, I know what that meant, no books to carry, no books to look through. I remember when I finished high school, uh, when I was riding the stagecoach home, we were, no, it wasn't that old, but I remember when I finished high school, graduation came and it was nice, summer vacation was there, and all of a sudden I had to start thinking about what was to come. Life was different. I remember uh, enjoying the first month of summer, I took my graduation money, and I kid you not, I ordered Papa John's pizza every day delivery for lunch to my house. It was better than the lunch I had every day. Um, No offense, Mom, but... um, I just, I just was enjoying the change. It was something different. I remember what it was like to do that. I remember finishing college and thinking, what's next? And the change that was coming. I remember going from high school as a senior to coming to college as a freshman and starting all the way back over again at the bottom of the totem pole, it felt like. Life certainly uh, has its changes. We like certain changes, don't we? Change is enjoyable when it's something we enjoy having. Other change we dread. It's been said that change is something we both love and hate. The reality is that we want, what we want is for things to stay the same but always get better. If you stop and think about that, it's kind of humorous. It can't happen that way. You can't have it both ways. If you want something but you want it to get better, it has to change. The reality is, though, that change is real. For some, change is something as simple as changing clothes or hairstyles. We'll leave those jokes alone. We can choose a different meal at our favorite restaurant. Pastor Burdick mentioned that on Sunday. I, uh, my wife and I joke, laugh about this all the time. We always talk about, okay, we're going to go to this restaurant. And we're going to get something different this time. And what do you end up doing? You get the same thing you always get. We always think it looks different, and we're going to excite. And then people walk, you know, they walk by with other people's orders. and like, I should have got that. But uh, we can change our favorite meal. We can change our morning routine. For others, though, the change is far greater. It is the change in the stages of life. It's hitting a new age in life and feeling like everything is different now. You remember those milestone ages for some of you? I know some of you are like, yeah, I almost hit, I'm almost at 20. I don't know what to do. I wish I could go back to 20. There's 30 and there's 40 and there's uh, other ages past that. Changes in the stages of life. It's dealing with a change that comes from a job change or even a job loss. Or even circumstances about that job that you currently have. Something inside that job is changing. The details, the circumstances, the, perhaps the manager or the leader of the group. It could be changed from unmet expectations. It could be the result of a change in relationships. What once was will never be again. It could be from the sorrow that accompanies the loss of a loved one. Whatever the change, whenever it comes, it can hit us so hard without any warning. It seems to pile on like a weight we could never fathom. Oftentimes it can cause fear and doubt and hesitation on what to do next. Regardless of the type of change that you may or may not have encountered or the change that is to come and the level it affects you at, the change is real. So the question tonight that as we look into God's word is, is there a way to deal with change? Now, when I mention change, I am not talking about uh, something that changes in your life as a result of, let's say, our sin. Please understand this, that that is not change, that is simply uh, sowing what we have reaped, uh, reaping what we have sown. That is simply us realizing the fruit of our decisions. I'm not talking about that kind of change tonight. 
What I'm talking about tonight is something that is out of our control, something that is of a far greater purpose and intent than what we could possibly fathom in that moment. Can we see an example of a response to life-impacting change? And I believe we can in our text tonight. And I simply want to talk to you tonight about how to deal with change. Let's get right into the passage this evening. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse number 1, it says this, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Father, in these few moments, I pray that you'll help us to look into your word and to understand an example of how to deal with change. Lord, we understand that not all change is bad, but we are creatures of habit. Father, we enjoy comforts. We enjoy things being as they are many times. But as we examine your word, help us to see that change is a way for us to grow to be more like the image you desire us to be. We thank you for what you have faithfully done so many times in our lives, and may you continue to do as you see fit in our lives moving forward. Thank you for this time now. We pray that you'll bless the rest of the service in Jesus' name. Amen. How to deal with change. Number one, very quickly, I want you to realize that change is coming whether we want it to or not. First thing is, change is coming whether we want it to or not. Look what it says again in verse uh, number one. Now, after the death of Moses, uh, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spake unto Joshua. He goes into verse number two, and he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. I can't imagine that Joshua in this moment was warning that, that news. Of course, he, he knew it had taken place. I'm sure this didn't come across as a desire in his life to have Moses, I'm sure his friend, his, his faithful leader, to pass off the scene. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 34, just before this passage, verse number 9, Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. I think that allowed him to process this major change that was coming in his life. But regardless of whether he wanted it to or not, change was coming. It's nothing to be scared of. It may cause uncertainty. It may cause uh, fear a little bit, but it doesn't mean it's something that we should be scared of. But the thing in this story, this context, is while the change came, whether he wanted it to or not, there was still a work to be done. There is still a plan that God has for your life, regardless of the change that comes. Joshua had to deal with the sorrow of Moses' death, and it was, but it was not the end of the work. Matthew Henry in his commentary said this, Let not weeping hinder sowing, nor the withering of the most useful hands be the weakening of ours. For when God has work to do, he will either find or make instruments fit to carry it on. Understand this, that when change comes, whether we're prepared for it, whether we want it, whether we're excited about it, it doesn't matter. Change is coming. And one of the great ways that we can handle and deal with change is to accept that truth. Change happens in everyday life. We mentioned some of the small changes that we make, the, the change to a routine or the, uh, the change to a route. I took my, my son to his first day of summer school this, this morning, and I had to go a different route, and it was fun to see the different backed-up traffic at a different part of town. And uh, it's a whole different, different thing. The change required me to have a different perspective. Joshua now is faced with this simple truth that change is real. 
God is very clear. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And there is no other detail around that statement. God then says, okay, this is now true. Change has come. Here now is the command for you and the people. He says, now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. Again, God is reminding Joshua there's still a work to do. There's still people to influence. There's still people to lead. And just because major change can happen in our life doesn't mean that God's plan is going to be any different. God in his sovereignty has a perfect plan for each of our lives. I'm excited about the opportunity to trust God for what he wants done. I'm thankful that no matter what I can do to the plans of God, his sovereignty still allows uh, his, his guiding hand to, to, to lead and to direct. Second thing I want you to see tonight, first, that change is coming, simple statement, but number two, change is vital for the next step of growth. Change is vital for the next step of growth. Look what it says in, in verse number two at the end. He says, thou and all this people unto the land which I, to, I do give to them. We understand that uh, until Moses had passed off the scene, the Israelites were not going to be able to see the promised land and, and to step foot on it. But God had already given them this land. Verse number three, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. He says it again at the end of verse number four. And in verse number six, he says, the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. You see, God's plan was for them to take that next step, to grow into the nation that he desired them to be. But change had to take place. The definition of change is to make the form, the nature, the content, or the future course of something different from what it was or from what it would be if left alone. It means to transform or convert, to become different. You see, change is necessary for growth. As a plant grows, it has to change its different forms. You, you put a seed in the ground and you begin to water it and give it the, the sunlight that it needs. Eventually, it's going to grow and produce a, a plant or a flower or fruit. And as it changes, it always go, as it grows, it always makes those changes. As you grow physically, we go through changes. I remember when my son woke up one morning and, and sounded like me, a deeper voice. I wasn't ready for that change. I remember my daughter was, was, uh, was going from helping mommy with, with cookies and, and, and different things like that and playing with dolls to uh, talking nonstop about the activities of the day at school and the drama that unfolded. Boy, life changes, doesn't it? I remember having hair. <laughs> it's a fleeting memory. It was long ago. But there's pictures still. As we, as we grow, things change. My clothes are tighter than they used to be. Life changes, doesn't it? You see, change, major change happened here. Change had, to, change had to happen for Joshua to go to the next step of growth. He went from the right-hand man to now the leader of this great nation of Israel. I imagine that Joshua was kind of comfortable being the second man because anything that happened as far as leadership goes, he could probably pass on the blame to the leader. But now he is the leader. Perhaps there was some discomfort in this new idea, this new change. I have found this to be true. Sometimes what makes us comfortable is what hinders us the most. Your alarm clock ever go off and your bed is quite comfortable? And that snooze. How many of y'all hit the snooze repeatedly? Yeah, I do too. How many would just do better if you just, you know, the alarm goes off, you're up, you're ready to go? I, I can't do that. It's ridiculous. That's what snooze was built for. Okay. That bed is comfortable. The, 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 the blankets is, 
is, is nice and cozy around us and oh, the day, why go into the day? Listen, what makes us comfortable could hinder us from going into our daily activities and the daily responsibilities that we have. And a greater picture here, what makes us comfortable spiritually is often what times hinders us from taking that next step of growth. You see, in some cases, it isn't our circumstances that need changing, but rather our attitude towards them. Jimmy Dean said this, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. I trust him, he made good sausage. It's Jimmy Dean. You see, it is often easy to blame the circumstances of the change for what we are encountering, but in reality, we are oftentimes the hindrance to the growth that the change can bring. A.W. Tozer said in his book, The Pursuit of God, self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. Isn't that true? It can be removed only in spiritual experience, never by mere instruction. Sometimes we have to go through that change, experience that change, perhaps that which even takes us out of the comfort zone for, in order for us to understand more of that personal interaction with God and God alone, as the psalm was said tonight. You see, everything that happens in our life is for the purpose of drawing us closer to our Savior, conforming us into the image, fashioning us into the image that he desires in us. Change is necessary for that next step of growth. It's vital, it's important. We see that in this passage. But while change is coming, growth certainly is up to us. John Maxwell said this, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. You can fight change all the way through and never grow from it. Or you can allow what God is wanting to do to change you and to make you into what, you want you, what he wants you to be. Third point tonight, I want you to see this. Sometimes change is necessary to see God's promises fulfilled. Sometimes change is necessary to see God's promises fulfilled. Again, all these statements are fairly simple. But I have found oftentimes as I study Scripture that I have forgotten the simple truths of Scripture that are very, uh, really practical to walk in and to apply to my life. And I try to look for the profound truth all the while ignoring those things that are simple. Again, we've already referenced the first few verses of chapter 1. But he says, to the land which I do give to them, that have I given unto you, uh, that, that shall be your coast, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. You see, in order for the, the Israelites to experience the promises and to see them fulfilled that God had given, they had to have change come in their life. They mourned for 30 days after Moses passed. They sorrowed, they grieved. And understand this, sometimes change leaves us feeling lonely. Transition in ministry, transition in life, oftentimes can leave us feeling like there's nobody out there that knows or hears or understands. But there is a God who is faithful and just, who loves us and walks with us. We see in, in, in the verses um, 11 through uh, the rest of the chapter, Joshua takes that, the, the, the instruction he got from the Lord. In verse number 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, uh, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go and to possess this land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And then they take that message and they go and they broadcast it to the people. There's a, there's a repetition of not just hearing God's word, but obeying God's word. We can sit in our chairs and we can come to church on a regular basis and we can be faithful to the attendance part. All the while, our heart isn't always attending faithfully. Our bodies may be here and, and we may say, I'm going to check it off again. I'm, I'm at church again. That's what, that's what God expects. Uh, but I would argue that God not only doesn't expect, but I think he desires 
and hopes for a heart connection to the surface, a faithfulness that allows your heart to be transformed as he speaks through his word. Change is necessary for us to to understand what God's word is. We read about it. The Israelites knew that there was a promised land, but they didn't understand and they didn't apply it until they were able to have major change and they would go in. God will keep his word. That's what he does. He's faithful. He will never uh, go back on his word. But understand that it isn't enough to just quote the word and expect it. We must believe it. Tozer also said this, the Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God. That they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, that they may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself and the core and center of their hearts. I think this is what the, the psalmist was talking about in the, being in the secret place. That, that, that position in life where we are knowing the true intimacy that comes with a close walk with God. Delighting in his presence. You see, this is more than just a textbook. This is more than just an instruction manual. This is the very word of God coming from his heart. And he desires his people not just to hear his word, but to obey it and to believe it. Because then we'll be able to see the promises of God fulfilled. We, we want to see God fulfill his word, all the while we hesitate to trust him and make that change that is necessary. Fourth thing tonight, I want you to see, there's just a few more, I promise. Fourth thing tonight, I want you to see this. Whatever the change in your life, make sure those you are leading understand it. Whatever the change happens in your life, whatever magnitude it is, please help the people that you are leading understand it. Isn't it interesting the perspective we have as, as adults once we have kids enter the home? I, 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 to, my, to my shame, I was driving one time with my son, and, and uh, I was looking for a parking spot. And, of course, every parking spot when I go is, is booked up for three and a half miles. And, and so we had to park in four counties over. And I was aggravated, and I, and I mumbled a word that, that was just expressing my frustration. And a little while later, we were in the store, and I heard my son repeat that word. And all of a sudden, I realized he's got bad influences in his life. Who could possibly be teaching my son these words? I knew it was me. But I thought, oh, boy, I've got to pay attention now to the influence, to the, to the ones that I'm leading. In this situation here, the Israelites were preparing for this next step of growth. They were preparing for this major change that God was bringing but the people could only follow what Joshua received. They're in a little bit of a state of shock as Moses has passed off the scene now. And it was the instruction from God to Joshua that was going to allow the nation of Israel to make that next step. As I look at those that I'm responsible for, I see the great burden for proper leadership. I'm not talking about management. I'm not talking about giving people instructions and hoping they follow those. I'm talking about leadership. One of the greatest needs in the work of the Lord today is a true investment into the lives of those around us. We're not to manage his work, but rather lead people into it. Discipleship is more than a textbook. It's more than the A to Z of doctrine. It is the pouring of one life into the life of another. And what our churches need across our nation, what this church needs, and what the community in here in Pensacola needs from Campus Church, is an active investment into the lives of others. To help those that we are leading understand the changes that are coming. Even if you haven't experienced them yet, I promise change is coming. 
And it's a chance for us to take those that we are leading and help them get to a new level of growth. How encouraging it is to the people to know that if someone were to be taken away in the midst of their usefulness, there would be someone that was led and trained to carry on the work. Yesterday, or a couple days ago, we were working on building some shelves in, in my garage for space, and, and uh, I, I asked my son to come out and help my dad and I to, to do this. Now, understand this, that when you work with people and you train with people, it often takes all, a little bit longer to get it accomplished than it would by yourself, Right? It's quicker, it's quicker to go take the task and to, and to do it ourselves and get our hands, the only ones that are dirty, to make it happen. But the reality is, too, oftentimes in our everyday life we do that. But the greater work is the spiritual work that God's called us to. And how important it would be to take someone and bring them alongside and recognize that the journey with others is always slower than the journey alone. But it's so much more worth it. When we bring someone alongside and say, hey, let me help you understand not just what to do, but why we do what we do. Hey, let me, let me pull you alongside and let me explain to you the goodness of the Lord. You know what our young people need? Older people to pull them alongside and say, hey, can I tell you what God's done? We, we've got enough of our young people uh, getting their input from the world and getting their input from social media and different things. And I'm not against social media. I love uh, TwitFace and InstaChat and all those other things. But the reality is we've got too many of our young people that are not getting direction from someone pouring their life into them. They're getting opinions, but we need to show them what God is all about. When you pause and look back at all the blessings that God has provided, it helps us to understand that we can be excited about what God's going to continue to do. Because God is faithful, we know that he will be true all the way through. If God gives the change in our life, let's be excited about it and so that those that we are leading can be excited too. You know, it's very easy to to mumble and to complain about things that are happening, all the while people are watching on what takes place. I found excitement about something carries a lot more weight than being negative about it. It spreads faster. It helps the people on the team to be excited too about something, even if they don't understand it. But what a blessing to know that if we can be excited about what God is doing, and maybe the circumstances don't make sense. And maybe we don't understand all that God is intending with it all. But to know that God is faithful and true should bring great comfort and allow us to be excited about what God continues to do. Number five tonight, I want us to see this. It's similar to, to, to number four. It goes along with it. But understand the gravity here of our, of our example. The way you handle change now will determine how your followers accept change in the future. Think about that for a moment. How you handle change now will affect how your followers handle change in the future. Go with me to chapter number four very quickly. In the same book, Joshua chapter number four. Look what it says in verse number six. Of course, the waters are parted here, the Jordan, and they are to set up the stones. Verse number six, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying... What mean ye by these stones? Remember, kids ask a lot of questions, don't they? There's a why to the why, isn't there? How many of y'all are, 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 are like me, and at times you just started to say because? That never sufficed them, does it? There, are, there has to be more. Or if we're not prepared to answer the question because we're, we're just not that smart, <laughs> we, we tell them to go to the room and they're grounded or whatever. Children here in this example, children are going to ask the fathers, hey, what, what do these stones mean? Why are these stones here? 
And of course, the fathers could look back and say, well, we're wandering the wilderness for 40 years. It was miserable. Verse number 7, Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for memorial unto the children of Israel forever. In other words, the memorial, hey, Dad, why are the stones here? There's a reform memorial so that we can stop and look and say, look how good God is. Look how faithful God's been in our life. Look at the blessings that God has bestowed upon our family and upon our ministry and upon all those things. Pastor Burdick mentioned that tonight, the blessings that, that we enjoy on a regular basis here on this campus. The privilege to be able to be a part of testifying to God's goodness. But understand this, if we had nothing, God is still very good. If we, were to be, if we were to lose everything, as Job did, I love Job's testimony. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I want my kids to deal with change in their lives in the future in a positive way because of how they see their mom and dad handle change now. I want my kids to say, hey, Dad, what does it mean when God said this? What does it mean when God did this? And I can simply give testimony to say, God was faithful. God provided, God led, God gave us the answers in his time, but he never failed us. Understand this truth, we are all leading someone. Make sure it's the right direction. Every one of us are responsible for those that are watching our testimony. As was mentioned before, understand that not everything that happens in our lives is just for us. In many cases, it could be for those that are coming behind or will go through the same situation later. It is true, change affects those that we love and lead. And as a result, our decisions affect others as well. When I was single, I enjoyed being able to have spaghetti five nights a week. I love spaghetti. And not the canned spaghetti, I'm more refined than that. Um, prego, um, you know, the real stuff. And uh, I, I love spaghetti and I have it often. And on the nights I didn't feel like making spaghetti, I'd run down to that fancy restaurant, McDonald's, when it was over here. And uh, I'd get the, you know, the two sandwiches for a buck each deal. You don't remember that? Okay. And uh, I would, man, I would enjoy it. But guess what happened when I got married? I couldn't go to my wife and say, hey, babe, McDonald's got the two, for, the two for one special thing. That didn't work. I had to realize that my decisions were now affecting other people. Silly illustration, but the reality is in our everyday life, spiritually speaking, in the battle, our decisions do affect other people. I had to suddenly start making more mature decisions because it affected my wife and then eventually my wife and kids. And in our spiritual walk, our decisions affect so many around us. If our attitude towards change is more, why would God do this to me than it is, what does God want me to learn from this? We are affecting in a negative sense the people that we're supposed to be leading. It doesn't mean we can't ask God why. I, I think God accepts that and allows for that. But oftentimes we use that as justification to challenge him instead of trust him. And how much better would it be for those we are leading to trust God and let them see that testimony. Finally tonight, the last point I want you to see is this. How do you deal with change? Number six, remember and trust that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God has called you to something, he will be faithful to continue with you on that journey. If God is calling you away to something that you're unsure of, that you're uncertain about, please understand that God is with you all the way. Matthew Henry stated this in the, about this passage. He said, Moses the servant is dead, 
but God the master is not. That's a great comforting thought, isn't it? Oh man, the, the, the leader, my hero, my master, my, my, my friend is gone. The person I trusted for leadership is no longer in my life. But God hasn't changed. God hasn't left. God is still faithful. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We see that back in, uh, back in Joshua chapter 1. He said that at the end of verse number, uh, verse number 5, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. He is the same. He's faithful. He doesn't change. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord. I change not. I love what he says in, the, in verse 5. He says to Joshua, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. You see, it wasn't Moses that was special. It was the God that had his hand upon his life that was special. Because there's a great work ahead. There was a, a nation of people that needed to be led to the promised land that God had promised them. And it wasn't the individual that made it great. It was God. If God remains the same, and he is, then I can trust him when I don't know what is going on. I've used the illustration before of my son in that gym. When it was dark, he didn't know what to do. He was, he was trusting my voice and he was safe. I, rem I remember when I was a young child, my dad's here tonight, so if this story is, is not completely accurate, I was three at the time, so bear with me. You can ask him about it. But I remember when I was around that age, we went whitewater rafting because it's totally cool to take a three-year-old whitewater rafting. And... Uh, um, I don't remember how old I was. I was young. And I remember as we're whitewater rafting, as we're going down this river, we, we, it was an inflatable raft, and it, we got kind of off to the side, and, and, and the raft, we hit a bush, and it punctured a hole, and the raft began to, we flipped over a little bit. All I remember is being under the raft, and my dad holding me up by the, his arm was holding me above the water underneath the raft. And I thought that was cool because I could breathe, and I realized, well, what if he stops breathing? You know, then I'm going down with him. You know, this is not going to be good. And and uh, we've got, we all got out, and we've, it wasn't that, honestly, you know, at my age, it was massive. It was Niagara Falls type thing, you know. Uh, it was nothing, I'm sure. We got out, we flipped the raft back over, it's sitting off to the side, and I remember being put back in the raft, and, and people were laughing as I was in panic and fear because the boat was sinking. It wasn't that big a deal. I remember my dad mentioning, son, I got you, I'm right here. And I'm thankful that when life comes and change happens and the uncertainty is there, that there's a father that says, I'm still here. I, I haven't changed. I, listen, I promised that I was with you before and I'm with you now. And again, I'm not talking about change that comes from bad choices we make and sins that we commit. But I'm talking about change when God is molding us and shaping us into something far more precious than what we can think of ourselves. I think of the disciples in Matthew 4 and Mark 1 when he said, follow after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. In other words, hey guys, you're not what I think you should be yet, but follow after me and I will help you be changed into what you should be. Of course, we know that Christ spent those three and a half years in ministry with the disciples, changing them and molding them into this, this team that would go and change the world for Christ. I don't know what you're facing in life today. I don't know what, uh, what you have faced, what you're going to face. All of us are going to face something, and, and change at any level, at any age, is significant. I understand that. But what change ought to do is it ought to drive us back to a loving God that 
helps our faith grow as it should. I think of Jacob when he, when he wrestled with God. Jacob needed a change, didn't he? And as he wrestled with God, God changed his name, God changed his walk, and forever changed the course of history. All because of a faithful God that never changes. Jacob's faith was put back on the right perspective. Tozer said this in the same book, Pursuit of God, faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which is already there. Where's your faith at tonight? When change is going to come, and we're in a season of change, it's the summertime, the schedules have changed, the the schools are done, and perhaps a, a a job change is coming, or details about your job is changing. Can I tell you this? It's nothing to panic over. God knows. You think, well, you don't know the health news I've gotten. I don't have to. God does. Well, you don't know the sorrow that I'm experiencing. I've, I've had to say goodbye to a loved one. And I can't, it's, it, the, the grief is unimaginable. I, I don't know what to do. Can I, can I tell you this? Remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what change has come in your life, no matter what heartache you may be encountering, no matter what decisions you have to make that are coming up, I promise you, if you'll allow God to bring you closer, if you'll take that step and draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. And even in the uncertain times, and even in the times when we just don't know, but when change is near, you'll rest safely in the arms of our Savior.